So you've got to factor in the metric time. Oh, the Dewey Decimal Time Zone. <laughs> yeah, they're on the Dewey. It's the worst. <laughs> you have to use the first three letters of the time zone can, that you're I in. I never remember the conversion. <laughs> It's like time zones and I-18N had a baby. Hello, and welcome to Frontside, the podcast, episode 15. Um, we have a guest uh, panelist today. It's Stanley Stewart. Hi. Just kidding. This isn't a panel podcast, but we actually do have a guest on the podcast. So that's uh, the inimitable and s- superhero-worthy uh, JavaScript developer, Jameson Dance. Hey. Uh, I pronounced that correctly, right? Dance? Uh, you, I don't know how to pronounce inimitable, so I don't think I'm qualified to pronounce anything. <laughs> I, I hope I said that right. I've literally only read the word. We're going to get letters. So, hi, Jameson. Um, you're here, hey. you're here, and that's wonderful because um, you're, like, super famous in, in JavaScript land um, uh, for a number of things. Um, I know. People love pe- – people's favorite things to be called famous, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> um, but you're you're known you're known for some of your pursuits. Uh, t- tell us about some of the stuff that you do. Um, so probably the thing that most people that know anything about me know of me from is JavaScript Jabber, which uh, was one of the first big JavaScript podcasts. Um, so it kind of got successful by default because there was no competition. Um, I do a lot of stuff with Node and with JavaScript in general. Um, I speak at conferences occasionally. I don't know, vague, boring stuff like that. Yeah, you 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 manage you manage to take what I consider to be a pretty sweet portfolio and uh, and and act so humble as to kind of uh, not really impress people with it. Which is I made know, it sound terrible, didn't I? That's you, actually you, one of my <laughs> skills on LinkedIn. <laughs> you because you're so dynamic, actually, in in in, in your presence in person. Um, Stanley actually suggested like to try to try to see if you could come on the podcast because he saw your Dom step talk and it was, man, that was so flipping cool. So thank you, um, Stan- Stanley. Uh, I know you had some questions about it. I, I have some as well, but I wanted to to cede the floor to you. So uh, you gave this talk at Strange Loop this year. Uh, so Strange Loop is kind of this cool conference where pretty much anyone with any programming background can give something as long as it's really interesting. So what I've mostly seen is like, it's like a mini closure conf, but then, you know, you have people come out and talk about strange things like, uh, like Domstep where they're like, Hey, did you know that JavaScript is actually capable of doing things computers were doing in the 1980s? You didn't. Okay. So here's, <laughs> here's this. So it's, it's kind of cool to me because, uh, it's exciting to me because, uh, so my, my friend Jen Schiffer made a, a website where you can do like karaoke online with people. And I thought that was just so cool because like, you know, you're, I don't know, maybe hang out by yourself one night and you know, you have online friends. I think that's pretty common for, you know, nerds and stuff. So, but you know, you can kind of do karaoke and you don't have to install anything, which is pretty cool. Uh, so that's kind of what got me interested with Domstep was like Dubstep in my browser. Uh, so it's it's a really like fun talk and it kind of goes over a bunch of stuff. So it's mostly about the Web Audio API. Uh, can you tell us just like kind of like at a high level what the Web Audio API is, how it works maybe like a little bit and we can kind of 
step through the step through some of the more interesting parts of the talk? Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So the Web Audio API is a way to um, either manipulate or generate and manipulate sound in the browser. Um, it's a vague enough description that someone's going to be like, "But you can do that with audio tags and like." But uh, it it basically lets you build a uh, a graph of nodes, and each node can somehow process the audio signal and then pipe it through the rest of the graph. Can I ask a question? Please do. Can it do triangle waves? Yes. Those are my you favorite waves. Okay. You said wave <laughs> equals triangle or something like that. That's yep. I, I don't. I don't. I just, I don't know exactly what they are. I know they're sawtooth, triangle, and square. And yep. then you can make Nintendos. That's all yeah. I know, and it sounds really awesome. Um, so yeah, w- like those are the. Wasn't that the ingredients in Captain Planet? <laughs> I think it is square and sawtooth and then sign and then with their powers combined. I think one of them was a hot dog. I, I don't. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember the the plots exactly, but I know that that there was they were fighting Toxic Sludge was basically the villain. You're thinking kind of, of sawdust, which is what hot dogs are made of. <laughs> <laughs> so so what's interesting about this i literally had no idea about this i've you know you see this in programming and you see it in like uh uh, uh some server-side stuff but uh is so is it is it's is it accurate to say that the web audio api can actually generate you can generate these tones and stuff literally from the console yep you can so you um some of the nodes are uh called oscillator nodes mm-hmm. that means it's just generating a wave so you can make a sine wave and then you can tweak the signal a little bit and combine it with another sine wave and do all kinds of crazy stuff. It's it's pretty low level though. Um, it doesn't have great abstractions. So if all you're doing is manually working with the nodes yourself, it's kind of hard to build anything real. So um, is that just a tooling? Ahead. Is it just a tooling problem? It's just the, um, yeah, I mean, the, the libraries on top of it aren't super mature. I think they're purposefully making it low level so it can be really flexible. I mean, it can be used for all kinds of things besides just creating music. Uh, HTML5 games are starting to use it a lot more, and they have this cool like 3D stuff where you can position the source of the node in 3D space. So, like when you're turning your guy around, it'll follow you around and pan correctly and stuff like that. So, it, because it's so low level, it's really flexible, but also it's not optimized for just like I want to make a chiptune song in my browser. Yeah, well, what's, but that's actually kind of cool. That's what was so cool about your talk is that you kind of took all these tiny, tiny ingredients and basically like, like you know, making an apple pie from scratch, inventing the universe first, and then and then kind of building up. And I, if any if anybody listening to this hasn't seen the talk, please go watch it. Um, it was really cool to see that. Uh, I I have had my experience of how I kind of got myself in too deep on a hobby project and and wound up giving a talk about it because it wound up fascinating me. Um, is that kind of how this happened or did you have like a specific thing? Like I'm going to dive into this thing uh, for the purpose of giving a talk. Like what was it that motivated you to, to jump in and play with that? It was a mixture of both. So I was an amateur musician. I don't think I am any longer cause it's been too long since I picked up a guitar, but I was into music when I was younger. I was in a band and I was never very good, but I always enjoyed it. Um, and I just love the idea of, uh, creating things for creation's sake um well i guess there are a couple themes in the talk one of them is creation not in the like here's this cool software pattern but here's this actual thing in the real world that affects you if you don't care about software for software's sake and the other thing is i really love um the experiences that 
people can participate in beyond um, just sitting and listening. So my favorite talks to, to watch or to attend at conferences always have some kind of thing that would be hard to replicate in a blog post. Um, and and I, I just really liked the idea of giving a talk on sound because people perk up in a way that they don't to you talking about refactoring for the 100,000th time. Um, and, and you can get audience participation, which is awesome. So I guess that's a long way of saying I was interested in the topic, but I was also interested in the different style of presentation you could give because of the topic. So with, with, the, with the web audio API, you were mentioning it was low level, kind of toward the end of the talk, you say like, you know, it's evergreen browsers, so usually stuff gets fixed or, you know, you get kind of more of these low level features. So like, do you know how often that gets kind of updated or like, you know, what, when can I start to do like more stuff with uh, the, the web audio stuff? I don't think that very much of it is limited by the API itself. I think it's just limited by the abstractions built on it. Um, they've, they've like tweaked the syntax a few times since I gave the talk and they've added a couple little things, but nothing earth shaking. It's all just people are still in the early days of playing with it and figuring out how it works. Um, I'd say even more than that, the main limitation for me is I just don't have a background in signal processing and audio engineering. And when you're working at such a low level with waves that are convolved with each other to make different shaped waves, like it, it can be helpful to have more, you don't need it, but it can be helpful to have more of a theoretical background. And that's kind of the limit to what I can do right now is I just don't know enough about the, the stuff behind it all. Yeah. So the, the web audio API to me is something that's kind of been going, going around like as a new way of doing uh, kind of like browser standard development. Have you heard of the extensible web manifesto? I've heard of it. I don't know if I could give a coherent definition of this. People would not disagree with me. About. Well, in, in chapter 12, verse 7, uh, it <laughs> clearly states oh, statute good. 19. You got the book. <laughs> so basically, in this, there's this thing called like the W3C, which is kind of like the browser standard body. So like the way uh, you write HTML and like what's valid syntax and like especially behavior and stuff kind of all goes through them. There's the what working group and you know, they have kind of a similar role and collaborate with W3C on stuff. Um, Are you sure you pronounced it right? I thought it was the what working group. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so part of the, the W3C, they have a thing called the TAG, which is the technical something group, action group or something. Uh, so Dave Herman and I think Dominic Denicola and Yehuda Katz are kind of all there. So I don't know if Yehuda or Steve Klabnik were kind of the original people behind the Extensible Web Manifesto, but the general idea is like browsers should just be implementing like the lowest level possible stuff to like get people uh, able to do more stuff faster. And then you can build higher level APIs on top of them in JavaScript or HTML or whatever the right layer of abstraction is, usually JavaScript for that. So it's like, you know, you, we don't need to wait for browsers to like implement a chiptune algorithm, but we do need a way to like 
interact with that raw audio in some form. So I think maybe that's kind of why there's been nothing happening with the web audio API. Uh, well, maybe not, you know, not nothing happening. They're still working on it and stuff, but it, you know, I, everything that comes out seems to be pretty low level. It's because they're waiting, literally waiting for Jameson Dance to write Chiptunify me. That's the, the jQuery of audio. <laughs> it is. Um, there, there are people building things around the web audio API to make stuff easier. But it's, it's this cool mix of um, people with really deep knowledge of audio who are making these amazing demos um, and then people kind of building the tooling to make it so you don't need that deep knowledge of audio to make cool things. So if, if I can comment on one thing, it is that I have seen a few presentations of people doing a technical demo of, hey, here's a really low-level thing, and it made something that resembles music, and that is pretty neat. Like, And that in itself is pretty cool. Um, what I'm always more astounded by is when somebody takes something and says, hey, I have this really low-level thing, and I made this technology, and then at the end, you have something that's actually pretty good. And... Um, it's clear that the technology that you're using is not super advanced. Uh, it, you know, it's not outputting like, uh, you know, MIDI samples from, you know, the year 3000 or whatever, but it's pretty awesome. And the end result is music that actually sounds pretty cool. Um, and, and there's something about that sort of crossover of people with different interests, you know, like that crossover of, Hey, you have an interest and, uh, and experience with music that a lot of people wouldn't look at, at at something like the web audio API and be like, oh, I wonder if I could make a song and that song not suck, you know? Like, it, <laughs> I would just make a beep come out of it and be like, I did it, I can go home now. So I, anyway, just as a, in by way of like a compliment, I think that's, uh, that's pretty cool. And um, there's something happening in technology that Stanley alluded to earlier that people with uh, artistic backgrounds of a lot of different kinds are starting to look at technology from more of a diagonal angle and looking, look at it as a way to like build a trampoline for content creation. Um, and I don't know if, if that's like, is that an area that you have interest in or was it sort of like kind of a one-off deal or like kind of what do you feel is the confluence of that for you? Um, I think my interest is partially because it's weird for its own sake right now. Uh, I, I enjoy building applications, but there's only so many times I can make like an app that routes a URL to some function before I just get sad that I'm doing the same thing every day. Um, so usually I bounce between a few different things, but, but the things I do outside of work are oftentimes not things that you would get paid to do most of the time. Uh, they're, they're kind of, to me, more experimental things. Um, so the web audio API fits that. The other thing that I think uh, is interesting to me about it is that it involves, um, it's kind of getting back to what you said, the the ability for people to create things and, and create air quotes art. Um, like you mentioned Jen Schiffer, she makes that 8-bit, make 8-bit art website, which is awesome. Um, it's not like this shining tech demo of some crazy technology that's ooh, so cool for its own sake. It's just like a cool thing that lets you make other cool things. And I love that philosophy of using technology to make things that let people make cool things. The, the thing I love the most about Make Apid Art is like Jen will occasionally like go search on Twitter for what people are making for it and retweet it. And often the people she's retweeting are not like, they're not like 
the people I typically see in my Twitter timeline because, you know, I mostly follow tech people. Yeah, they're not like the famous tech thought leader bros. Yeah, it's just like some some person that needed a logo for something. Right, they're teachers or, or doctors or like, you know, just working a job or a mom or like whatever, which I think is really cool where it's like, hey, the the barrier to entry for putting stuff online or just kind of playing with stuff is getting a lot lower. And I think that's uh, ultimately a good thing. And kind of where, like, I think where technology and other things uh, meet has been kind of interesting, like, in the entertainment space. So at RailsConf this year, uh, there was an awesome keynote that everybody should watch. Uh, it wasn't really centered on, on Rails at all. I came in a bit late, so I should go and rewatch it. But, you know... Uh, no matter what your programming background is, uh, this guy, uh, Baratunde Thurston, gave a talk kind of like what he's been doing with comedy. He like, did video stuff for the, the Onion a while back. And he gave this really cool demo for improv comedy where people would like get up on a stage. And these were people who had like never done improv before. So it's like to help you kind of loosen up and get your brain going in the right direction and just like get going. So you don't have to like have the, the stage fright of like, Oh my gosh, I'm just, I've never done this before. I'm on a stage like, and also have to think of stuff and like also be learning the rules of improv. So what they did would they would give people who had never done improv before a Google glass. And then they would just like show the same image to the two people and have them try to like react to the scene, and it was really funny the demos they would show for that. Um, yeah, I saw that. It was it was pretty awesome. I also can second that recommendation, and um, I think we're seeing, um, and and part of why I think Stanley and I were both so affected by this talk is, um, we're we're seeing this kind of explosion now of technology as a lever um, instead of technology as its own reward. Um, it's easy to navel gaze and, and you're, I actually had a, uh, man, there's so many questions I want to ask you. You're kind of in a catbird seat. I'm using a lot of phrases that maybe like a grandfather would use, but you're kind of like in a cool position. <laughs> I think of you like a grandfather, so it's okay. <laughs> I definitely get accused of dadding enough that I feel like I've probably earned granddad status at this point. Yeah, you've, you've graduated. <laughs> I was, I was joking, but I think now is a good time as ever to announce that like episodes that are just Charles and Brandon are front side the dad cast. <laughs> uh yeah i'm so i'm so grateful for people who make me at 35 years old who make me feel like i'm 70 it's great so i but i really think uh as sort of the as the host uh of this as of javascript jabber you have a an opportunity um to see a lot of things kind of come through at a pretty rapid pace and i wondered like what your what your take as a person who does JavaScript primarily for a living, um, like what, what some of your feelings on that are, um, or are you so like, are you disconnected from all of that emotionally? Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm biased cause I'm on the inside. I was going to say that, um, I have done JavaScript for a while and I have a, a vested interest in, in hyping it because I like it and I want to keep getting paid to do it. But I, I don't know. JavaScript is such a big community that it's hard to summarize it succinctly. I think one of the trends that we're seeing is uh, maybe a reaction to the the breathless adoption of new things for their own sake. 
that still continues and there's still always going to be like some framework or library or, or new technology or technique that gets posted to Hacker News. And then if you read the article, you'll be like, oh, wow, everyone is already using this before it launched and I am behind. How on earth did that happen? But I think uh, people are starting to realize that that's that can be bad. Um, I think I've heard Tom Dale talk about this, actually. I mean, he's obviously doing it to pitch Ember, um, saying, like, if you just jump from whatever's hot to the next hot thing, you'll leave this trail behind you of um, abandoned technologies and, and flavors of the week that are no longer the flavor of the week. And then the, the subtext is like, stick with Ember. You'll always be fine. But I think the basic point is is true. Like, if you are spending 50% of your time keeping up with what's new, then you're throwing away 50% of your productivity. Um, so let's see, how do I summarize that? I, I think uh, there's a growing focus on sustainable experimentation instead of just like, it's the Wild West, do whatever you want. Woo! Like shooting your six shooters in the air. So Okay, so, so it's sort of... Uh... Uh, do you, do you see that as as a timing thing like it's an era that's coming to a close or is it more of is that personal to you or is it the community that's sort of growing up or I was going to yeah I was going to talk about this it's so hard to separate like me maybe I'm just sick of it and so I see this but everyone else is still really gung ho about new things and I mean look at all the uh typed javascript dialects that are coming out all the time there there are more all the time facebook just launched their thing and like so I guess the maybe the pace of change, the pace of the leading edge has not changed, but um, I'd say there's a greater recognition of the value of being in the middle instead of on the bleeding edge. So bringing the bleeding edge back into maybe existing solutions or stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd say that's a good way to summarize it. It's a really gross metaphor if you think about it, though. Like bleeding edge, and then like stick it back in your body somehow. Ugh. I always thought it was like a British expression, like it was a bleeding edge. That, isn't that a horrible swear word now? Because you said it with a British accent. I have no idea. I don't. I don't. I don't. Know how that I, don't works. I don't. Yeah. Wow. I hope we have no British listeners. If we do, I apologize for literally everything. Not I said. anymore. <laughs> I apologize for everything I've said about Great Britain. Hey, guess what? England's part of Europe. Now you have no British listeners. <laughs> uh, I actually really like Europe. Um, probably the final countdown is my favorite song. So, <laughs> am I am I pandering correctly? Uh, I think so. <laughs> I saw this one JavaScript dialect, and it had like classes, and it was all typed, and they even took the script out of it, and they just called it Java. And I was like, oh, this is gross. It's gone too far. <laughs> these JavaScript, these uh, the JavaScript wars have gone too far. Oh man! So hopefully, uh, well, maybe we can talk about Flow a little bit as an example of one of the type JavaScripts. It adds optional types that are um, so so TypeScript. If you squint at it, it looks like C sharp. Um, it has like interfaces. It has all the normal. Like if you have done static server side languages, you know TypeScript already, basically. Um, flow still looks like JavaScript, and one of the nice things about Flow is it'll um, it'll infer types in your program before you add them. So uh, if you just add it to a project, you just run Flow on it, uh, probably it'll break. Um, but if you fix all the things, because Flow is still early days to make Flow happy, 
uh, and you just run it without adding any types, it'll still um, just kind of like V8 does. It'll still infer types and, and give you some of the benefit. Um, so that's already an advance, right? Like TypeScript was kind of the first big optionally typed, statically typed kind of JavaScript dialects. Oh, is Flow, can you just, like, does your existing JavaScript work in Flow or do you have to kind of like transform it to, first? Or So I think they're long-term. Oh, uh, if anyone doesn't know what Flow is, it's the Facebook typed JavaScript dialect thing. Um, they just announced it a couple months ago and just released it a couple weeks ago. Um, you have to do it because there are some tooling issues with Flow still. But I think the long-term goal is you just like point it at your project and run it and you don't have to change anything and it'll still work. Yeah. Um, that seems to be like a common thing Facebook has been doing with their stack. So the other week I was listening to the Changelog podcast which is a podcast about open source and they had Sarah Goldman on from Facebook and she was kind of talking about like, you know, PHP is becoming the standard and that's awesome. And she was also talking about hack, which is kind of like this type dialect of, of uh, PHP. And so uh, it seems like they're kind of going in that direction where they're probably not going to write like a runtime for JavaScript like they did with PHP because they don't have that, you know, need, nobody is going to use that. Uh, but it seems like they're existing, you know, they're heavily evolved in saying like, this thing gets us most of the way here, but our tools aren't scaling to the like hundreds of engineers we have. So they're taking things that exist and kind of like putting, you know, changing it a little bit, but then that little change ends up giving you a lot of productivity. So you have stuff like a compiler, which can, you know, check types, which will prevent some kinds of bugs for you and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, there's also, so I know they have this uh, XML in PHP syntax, and that was kind of the inspiration for the JSX stuff in React too. So they do have some sharing of ideas there. Man, if you would have told me three years ago that I would have been excited about Facebook open source projects, <laughs> I, I could not have predicted that. <laughs> Yeah, so I know a lot of people have, like, opinions about, like, you know, the JSX style of, like, oh, no, I have HTML in my JSS. It's like, you got peanut butter in my in my <laughs> chocolate. You got chocolate <laughs> in my peanut butter. It's a little bit like like, like getting tuna fish in your peanut butter, though. Um, I, I You don't know so. if it's going to be good until you try it, basically. Right, and uh, when I tried it, like, I was originally very, like, eh, you know, like, we should have separate files and... I did PHP, man, I did my time or whatever. But then, like, I realized, like, this is actually really nice because React, I think, is probably the best at, like, saying, like, you have a component. This is what a component is. You don't need a lot of markup. So having that other file is just kind of a pain, especially when you want to go back and, like, break out new components and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I, you know, if you're if you haven't tried React yet because of that, uh Give it a shot because, you know, people have their criticisms of React or whatever, but I don't think JSX should be that barrier to entry. It's the biggest barrier before you use it. Um, and after you use it, it's not usually people's main objection after they have some experience with it. it I don't know. It Like, you don't need JSX if you don't want it. Um, there, there are ways around it, but yeah, it's it's convenient, I think. Uh, so you kind of mentioned that when you do talks or at least when you listen, when you are at a conference, uh, 
there are kind of talks you find more engaging. And for me, this talk was really cool because, you know, you didn't have just like one period of audience interaction. It was like, hey, here's this web audio thing. Uh, and to introduce this, I'm going to have like three sections of the room type out the same code and like, you know, just pop open Chrome or, you know, any compatible browser and do this. And it's like, I'm not going to really tell you what's going on, but here's this. And then you have everybody play, uh, what movie is that from, uh, 2001? 2001, the Space Odyssey theme. Yeah. It's got a real name. I don't know what the name is. So you have like, dun, it's German. Dun, dun, but there were some typos in the audience. So there was a few stray notes, but I, I just think that was really cool. And then you, you know, you got some audience participation and you're like, Hey, you're in the band, you can do this. So it, it's really cool to be part of that experience. And maybe that doesn't work for like every subject, but how, like, do you have any advice for people who kind of want to involve the audience a little more in their talks or? I think you can always do something, even if you're giving a talk on a topic that's um, purely you transferring knowledge to them. Just the act of eliciting participation makes people pay attention more for a little bit. So if you're talking about test-driven development, um, you can take a little poll about like how many people have used it. That's probably not going to be super effective, but there's some way to, uh, there, there is a way to just in your talk of giving knowledge from your brain to their brain, um, let them act in some way. So you ask a question that can be answered by raising your hand or clapping or something like that. Um, that's kind of the bare minimum, I guess, and is pretty subject agnostic. The other thing is pick talks that let people participate or pick topics that allow you to let people participate. Um, I've seen a lot of times this involves live coding, which is terrifying, <laughs> but also can be really cool if you can pull it off. I've seen people, um, they'll code up a demo, but they'll, they'll kind of get the subject for the demo from the audience. Um, I've seen people do things with games where you have some kind of game that you can participate in via the audience. That can be tricky because it depends on Wi-Fi sometimes. Um, that's also the cool thing about JavaScript because everyone can run it locally. So if you can condense your demo down to something that people can type themselves, um, like the example Stanley shared, that's another way. Even if, uh, again, the act of people typing it out is is preventing them from being on Twitter and like, griping about how bored they are, which <laughs> will make your talk better. If people are engaged, you'll do better, and then people will like it more, and then it's kind of this feedback loop. Right, especially when code, like, the thing I like a lot about the audio example, too, was, like, uh, it was, you know, somewhere between, like, three, three to six lines of codes, and all it did was, like, play a note. But for me, if I was sitting there live, it was interesting enough for me to be, like... I can try that. That's like zero cost to me. That's, you know, this is, this, I, you have my interest and for me to do this is not a lot. Whereas they feel like, you know, I've seen people do the kind of like, you know, you can type this out and try this out, but yeah, and no one's going to like follow along on your, in your own computer. Right. You know? And then you're like, Oh, they're going too fast and there's a lot of code and I'm not sure what's really going on. I'm just typing at this point. I'm not really learning. 
another thing you could do, Kyle Kingsbury, uh, he had everyone do squats at the beginning of his talk because he's big into lifting right now, I guess. And that kind of like loosened everybody up and everybody, I mean, he's a fantastic speaker, so I'm sure everyone would have loved his talk anyways, but he's uh, kind of set the tone. Affer or Afer on A-P-H-Y-R on Twitter, right? Yep. Oh man. Yeah, he's, he's one of my favorite people to follow. Genius. He, well, wizard. the thing I, yeah, the thing I like it about it the most was, uh, I've been going through his blog lately at night, just picking one of his articles. Uh, he has something called Jepson, which is like, it's, it's, uh, this series of blog posts on like, here's what a network partition is. And like, here's how your favorite database per like, uh, happens when you have like multiple nodes and like, this happens, how much data do you lose? Or like, what types of data do you lose? Or that stuff but it's like also really well written so somebody like me with like very low back-end scaling experience you know i kind of know what Elasticsearch is you know he introduces every database so if you're not familiar you get to learn what it is and like it's very plain and you know it does have that code along go at home experience which uh i didn't really do but it was great to see like all these pictures and charts so like his his stuff is definitely like some of my favorite stuff to watch or read or just learn from as an aside that's the other thing i really enjoyed about strange loop it kind of brings together these communities that don't often interact so there were lots of academic people uh, that have phds they're doing postdocs or, or professors or whatever doing their hardcore computer science research there's lots of industry people working on these big scaling problems with distributed systems or these novel database or networking things. And there's kind of the, like, here's a crazy idea crowd. Uh, someone did a talk about analyzing rap lyrics with Python. Um, people did talks about like hacking on the Linux kernel for your first time or things like that. So it's, it's an eclectic mix. That's really appealing. Do you have like a favorite talk or like, two or three favorite talks you would from recommend from strange loop? loop yeah uh so rich hickey talked about transducers um which is this closure language construct that abstracts away the like map reduce filter thing where you're you're giving you're doing an operation on a sequence of things over and over again um rich hickey's brilliant even if you don't use closure I really enjoy the way his brain works and just hearing him explain things. So that was a, a really good talk. Um, Joe Armstrong is one of the inventors of Erlang, and he talked about just complexity in general, kind of the growth of complexity in software development, which is uh, a thing that I feel a lot. And he's this, I mean, he's, I think he's in his 50s or 60s, and he's had this long career and is really experienced. So he does this great, like, grizzled old grumpy guy talk that is wonderful to listen to where he tries and tries to use grunt to like build some static website. And I don't know, uh, it, it's really good. And it's, um, he ends up talking about some ideas for reducing that complexity that are kind of crazy, but also fun to think about. So I'd say those two were probably my favorites. Cool. Uh, so we're almost out of time, so we should wrap up. Uh, so I know on JavaScript Jabber, they kind of have a pick section. Is there anything you would want to pick this week or anything you feel like giving a shout out to? Uh, I'd say my pick is if Hemingway wrote JavaScript, which is a book by Angus Kroll about 
if different famous literary people wrote JavaScript. And he does a really good job of writing programs in their style. The Jane Austen one is pretty awesome. Jane Austen doing the factorial function, I think. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's short. It's not going to like change your life or the way you, you build applications, but it's a cool intersection of the humanities and programming, which is a thing that I value more and more now. I used to think that humanities were dumb and everyone needed to do science all the time. But uh, <laughs> I thought you were saying humanities. Humanities? <laughs> no. Yeah, that's what I studied. Um, like He-Man Manatees? Is that a portmanteau of those? <laughs> it's, it is. It's actually, yeah, it's a very popular undersea television program from the 80s. And then this giant fat walrus thingy, like, grabs a sword from the sky. Yep. Cool. I see you've seen it. I have yeah, the power yeah. and a control group, so this research is legitimate. <laughs> um, yeah, but if Hemingway wrote JavaScript, the, I, yeah, that I was I was kind of scared off of that because I thought it was all Hemingway, and I was like, oh, I nope. don't know how. I, I figured the joke would wear pretty thin because I'd seen something about it on the internet before, and I thought the variety was funny. So I will definitely check that out. Yeah, there's only one of them that's Hemingway. It's, okay. They're all different authors. Some of them I haven't heard of too, so it kind of makes me feel, uh, makes me realize how how little I know about literature. <laughs> um, Proper literature. <laughs> yeah, well, it's well, and I think maybe that's the idea is exposing people to to more of that. And it's cool. Yeah. This is this winds up being sort of thematic that uh, your talk and um, Jen stuff and like meat spaces and all of this stuff is starting to happen, and, and I really think. Uh, uh, Ruby community has a lot of things that they value, but the, I'm seeing in the JavaScript community the shared emerging value of bringing in culture from outside of programming and infusing that into what you're doing, which is sort of predictable if you look back five to ten years and the people that were doing JavaScript were people who were dabbling in programming from other fields. And and so it's kind of cool to see that start to bear fruit now um, culturally. And, and I thought your talk was super gutsy. Um, I thought uh, it, it involved live coding and audience participation in a way that you don't see very often. Oh, man. And it, it could have gone so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I've done some live demo stuff, and I've watched it back on video, and I just, like, I burn with shame sitting here now thinking about it. And there so, were still things that failed horribly in that talk, but I don't know if people noticed or not nope. when I gave it, which is good, I guess. It, and and if, it's not, if it's not noticeable on video, it's not noticeable anywhere. Like, I did not sure. know that. Well, good. Man, it was phenomenal, and um, you're one of my favorite code philosophers. I think you take your role oh on gosh. on JavaScript Jabber very seriously. Um, so I I really appreciate you you talking with us on this stuff. I really I really do. Thank you. Uh, it's it's awesome to get to talk with you about about some of this stuff, and and it gives me uh, a li- I'm a little more stoked after seeing that talk and talking to you a little more about sort of the direction that programming is headed. Even though there's a lot of you know there's always drama or whatever, um, but I I'm optimistic and enthused about the, the direction things are headed because people are, are infusing uh, cool things that fascinate them like that and aren't afraid to share it with other people. So I appreciate you doing that. Thank you. Um, thanks for coming on the show, Stanley. Thanks for having me. It's awesome having you as a co-host. I think you're awesome. This was, uh, it was a fun time. Thanks for, thanks for coming and, and we'll see you next time.
Bye. Bye. Bye.